Welcome to Lift, a parenting podcast where we ask the questions about family and faith. Parenting takes a lot of heavy lifting, both in physical, emotional, and spiritual ways. Let's face it, raising a family is hard work. Some of us are doing it as a single parent. Some of us are working with a spouse, but all of us have questions every day. Are we screwing up our kids, our marriage, our relationships? This podcast will ask questions that can guide each of us to finding our rhythm and creating a space for God in our home. And did you know we have a Facebook page now? So make sure and check us out, Lift a Parenting Podcast on Facebook. Uh, Welcome to the second class of Parenting Under Pressure. Last week, we looked at the book, The Whole Brain Child, and did an overview of that. This week, we are going to be looking at parenting with love and logic, and then again, dipping into the Sticky Faith Guide for Your Family. I want to just give you a heads up. Parenting with Love and Logic has classes that you can take. This is not one of those. This is going to be like an overview of this book. When I teach a parenting with love and logic class or present a parenting with love and logic class, it's usually a five, six week class. Okay. So about six hours. Um, This is going to be 30 minutes, 45 with questions. So um, just know this is going to be a quick overview of this. This is something that I have used. Um, I used teaching with love and logic before I was a parent. And then um, I've used parenting with love and logic off and on throughout my whole life. So it's something that I think is very valuable and important for what um, we do. Um, Just ignore my dogs in the background because, you know, hashtag COVID. I hope y'all all had a great Mother's Day. And I'm glad that you're here with us tonight. And I thought we would just dive right in. Okay. Well, no, let's do it that way. There we go. Okay, so I thought some of you may not know who I am. Again, my name is Kim Myers, and I'm associate pastor at St. Andrew United Methodist Church. And um, my role is the family pastor. So I oversee birth through college. I kind of share college with um the adult ministries. Um, I have my undergrad in deaf education and language development. Um, I have my master's from Perkins in um, Christian education and theology. Uh, I have some training in behavior management when I was a school teacher. I have had 10 years in the classroom, five in um, the deaf ed classroom and five in um, what we call the regular ed classroom. Um, I spent four years in a church school administration. That means I ran a preschool for four years and I've now been serving the local church for 12 years. I have one husband. Um, we've been married almost 20 years. It'll be 20 years in June. We have two kiddos, um, uh, almost 14 year old. He'll be 14 in June and a 16 year old and two dogs and a guinea pig. So that's just a little overview of my life. So let's look about love and logic. I want you to think about a child or an adult that you respected and just take a moment and think about why you respected that person and what characteristics they had that set them above the rest. I'll give an example. I had a teacher in third grade. Her name was Miss Trower. She's somebody I still like when I think about her, I have warm, fuzzy thoughts. 
I was not an easy, uh, learning did not come easy to me. So I might've been a kind child, but I wasn't always the easiest child to teach. Um, and those of you who knew me as a teenager, I said I was a kind child. I was not a kind teenager. So there's that. Um, but I was a kind child, but I wasn't always easy to teach. And I remember, I'm going to tell you all that I cheated on a test. So get prepared. Um, we were having a spelling test and I'm dyslexic. And so spelling was not um, easy for me, still is not. And I had my spelling list in my chair and in between my legs. So if I opened my legs up, I could see my spelling test. And when she walked by, I'd close my legs. Well, she was a smart teacher and knew exactly what I was doing. And instead of humiliating me or calling me out in front of the class, she asked me to get up and get something from her desk. And I was like, eek, like, I don't know what to do with this. It was her calm nature that later she took a deep breath and we talked about it and I cried. And, you know, of course, I still got a zero. I had consequences. But she was a teacher that, in my opinion, was above um, the curve when it came to how to um, work with others and how to um, create an environment that was safe, yet had high expectations. And so I think that's what love and logic does in households. So love and logic helps to stop arguments. Now, let's be real. I always tell people, books are black and white. Life is colorful, okay? So when I say it stops arguments, it's going to help you mitigate some of the arguments. Um, it gives choices that you as the adult choose, it builds problem-solving skills in your kiddos, and it teaches responsible behavior. So here's the approach. Today, again, this is a quick overview, but what we're going to learn how to do is avoid those unwinnable arguments and power struggles. We've all been in them. My goodness, I like. I feel like I'm swimming in them right now. Um, preserve the, the relationships with our kiddos. Um, teach them to make good decisions about serious issues. Take care of ourselves as parents by setting limits. Um, how to get our kids to do chores. We're not going to get into all of this tonight. And skills that work for all ages of children. So if for any reason you do end up getting this book, I want you to notice that it's set up um, part one and part two. So part one, the first eight chapters, um, so in my book through page 116, it is um, an overview and teaching you how to incorporate love and logic into your parenting. Then the back half of the book is um, examples, like things that happen. So like chores and church. And I mean, honestly, on page 139, it says church when kids don't want to go. Um, divorce and visitation, fighting, friends, getting ready for school. So it gives examples of um, how to implement this program. So in the short term, kids rarely thank us for doing parenting skills. I don't know if any of you implemented some of the whole brain learning um, in this past week, but probably some of your kids were like, just stop, right? Our kids never applaud us for parenting skills or for expectations or for limits, yet they crave it. So don't let their 
um, words and sometimes their anger stop you from doing what we need to do. And that is love them and then give them logical consequences is what we're talking about today. So, so to help stop arguing, these are the steps that I want you to do this week. So if your kids are saying, I'm not going to do this, or I won't do this, or you're mean, or you can't make me, instead of saying, blah, 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 I'm the parent, I can do it, right? Step one is just go brain dead. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but when we parent, or frankly, when we do anything in life that is from a guttural emotion, either like frustrated or the happiest you've ever been, that next step isn't always the most logical step that you would make because you're, you're doing it from a guttural emotional reaction. Okay. So the step one is just taking a deep breath and what I call in the book calls going brain dead. Step two is calmly repeat a one-liner. So these one-liners in one, love and logic are cues for you as a parent to breathe. And they're cues for your children that you aren't going to step into the ring. You are not going to participate in this fight. So here are some examples. I love you too much to argue. Um, Mom, you're so mean. I know, but I love you too much to argue. Dad, why won't you let me do this? Everybody else is doing it. I know. I know. You can say, what did you say? And they keep reporting it. Or thanks for sharing. That one I want to warn you. Um, sarcasm in love and logic doesn't work out well. Okay. Um, I love you wherever you live. So for example, the kids that are going to move out because you're so mean, instead of saying, don't leave my house or get out, you say, that's fine. I'll love you wherever you live. Um, I argue between uh, at 6 a.m. on Saturday, right? Um, I personally would, I typically say, I love you too much to argue. Or um, when they were younger, I'd go, uh-oh, uh-oh. And now that they're older, I always say, which is a bit sarcastic, so be careful, is I'm sorry your life is so difficult um, because we live a life of privilege and it's important for them to understand. So why are these skills important? Well, when we fall into getting frustrated, giving lectures and trying to match one-on-one -on -one with our kids, we're forgetting, um, we're teaching them a sad lesson that arguing with parents is a good way to get their attention, okay? An even worse lesson is learned when they discover that they can argue us into submission, right? So if I work hard enough and my parents will um, focus on this argument so much that my parents will eventually give in, all I have to do is keep it up, right? That is not what we want to teach our kids. So what can we do? So the first thing to do is memorize your favorite one-liner, okay? Here they are again. Here's some of them. I love you too much to argue. I know. What did, what did I say? Um, thanks for sharing. Again, be careful with that one. It can be viewed as a little too sarcastic. The little ones um, just 
a simple, uh-oh, is something. Um, I love you wherever you live. I argue at 6 a.m. on Saturday with my older ones. I always, you know, try to say, I mean, I usually typically say, I'm sorry, your life is so difficult. Um, so memorize your favorite one-liner. Put it everywhere. Put a sticky note on your mirror. Write it in a vis-a-vis -vis marker on windows and mirrors. And just know that when your kids go up to push your buttons, your immediate reaction is to breathe, go brain dead, right? Not respond and say, I love you too much to argue. So let's keep going. The, one of the reasons for this is that relationships are built on love and trust. Okay. And if we show our kids that we trust them to make decisions, it only helps our relationships, right? The closer we feel to somebody, the more devastated we are when we, when we do something that they approve of, like, right? Like, I think we all can say that when growing up, when my mom would say, I'm disappointed in you, it was worse than her yelling at me because I can tune out the yelling, like bring it right? Especially as a teenager, for her to be quiet and say, I'm really disappointed in you. We're going to talk through your actions later. That would bring me pause. Okay. A loving relationship gives consequences their power. That being said, um, we've got to breathe and recognize the joy that our kids bring in our lives. I don't know about you, but I'm at a point of COVID where I don't always see joy um, in my household. But making every hello and goodbye a special event, I think, like for me, I'm working from home, um, recognizing that seeing them is a big deal, that they were a part of my life. And when they walk in the room, I'm happy to see them, right? So at least once a day, notice something special about them. Remove the sarcasm, right? Because if you say, oh, your hair looks cute, but they think you're saying, oh, you need a haircut like we all do, right? Um, love them even when they're behaving non-lovable and neutralize arguing, and kids who view their parents as both powerful and loving are far more likely to grow into respectful and responsible adults. And we'll get into a little bit more of that. So what I want you to know in here is it takes a lot of love to set limits and allow our kids to experience consequences of their poor decisions. But... <laughs> If we let them experience consequences, consequences um, of their decisions at a young age, those consequences are much smaller. For example, um, taking your phone upstairs past curfew. Consequence, you lose your phone, okay? Um, um, forgetting your folder at school, which isn't a great example right now, or not turning in your online assignments, right? Consequence, bad grade, maybe limited um, screen time or a chore or something like that. Simple consequences that don't react poorly. Think about if you have not experienced consequences and now you're an adult 
or even like a 16 year old and you're driving a car and you don't think rules matter to you and you get in a horrible wreck or you cause a horrible wreck, right? Great consequences. Um, you get your first job and you decide to show up whenever you want to consequence losing your job. Right. So if we can have our kids help and help them understand that every choice I make has consequences and life is better when I make good choices. Okay. All right. Again, that was a super, super high level overview of parenting with love and logic. I gave you the first like five minutes of the love and logic parent. So tips and tricks for this week. If you want to, first of all, we're going to have to dive into this more because it is um, a pretty in-depth parenting way. Um, It is one of my favorite ones though. Uh, If your kids are pressing your buttons, which I think right now everybody is at a shorter leash and um, has less patience to breathe through it, right? And to say, go brain dead and give a one-liner and give yourself time to react in a way that is helpful, not hurtful. Okay. I think sometimes as parents, we feel like we have to respond like quickly. We don't, right? You can say right now, I'm disappointed in your behavior and we're going to talk about it in 20 minutes, or we're going to talk about it after dinner. Here's the key to that. You have to move on. You can't at dinner keep staring at your kid like they're the bane of your existence, right? You just move on. You love them through their mistakes. And then that gives you time to calm down and help create a logical consequence. And that's in the back of this book. It has tons of logical consequences. So what I thought would be a good resource from our Sticky Faith book tonight was um, their chapter three, and it's talking about handling mistakes, okay? Especially as Christians, when we talk about faith, sometimes I feel like we can't, we don't give ourselves permission to make mistakes in our faith. Um, But um, she talks about in this book, um, the G's of making mistakes and how to overcome them as a family. Okay. So good. We are created in God's image and God was pleased with us. We are created to be good. Okay. Guilt, our sin, our guilt has separated from us from God. Grace, God couldn't stand that separation. So God sent Jesus So we might have real life in the present and eternal life with God. God's people. We live in community, experiencing and advancing the kingdom with our brothers and sisters and gratitude. We serve and obey and practice um, not to make God like us more or love us more but because we're grateful for all that God has done with us. What this was talking about is some, sometimes Christians can have a toxic view of faith. For example, that we believe that once we become a Christian, that everything becomes simpler or easier or, and that that's not, that's not the truth, right? 
And especially our young people need to know that God is bigger than our mistakes, that God (laughs) loves us through our mistakes. And so if we look through these G's, the good, the guilt, the grace, God's people and the gratitude, we can recognize that God's grace is bigger than anything that we could ever imagine. So again, the five G's of the gospel is something that when our kids make a mistake, because they will, or when we make a mistake as a parent, because we'll do that too, um, that it is time where we can breathe and move on and recognize it and um, learn from it and be better because of it, but move on. Um, In this chapter, it talks about a kid named Rebecca, who when she went to college, um, she she was a grew up very Christian, went to church every Sunday, and then she went to college and kind of went a little crazy. And when she went to parties and stuff, she she kind of called it her Jesus jacket. Like she would disconnect herself from her faith and party it up and then get up the next morning and go to church and put her Jesus jacket back on. And what's important for all of us to understand, and that can be for little kids, right? Like tenter tantrums and that you're not, then you can think in your head, like I'm not good enough to come to church or I don't deserve Jesus's love. All of that we can throw out the window as parents because we know that God's great and skills that work for all ages of children. So if for any reason you do end up getting this book, I want you to notice that it's set up um, part one and part two. So part one, the first eight chapters. um, So in my book through page 116, it is, Um, an overview and teaching you how to incorporate love and logic into your parenting. Then the back half of the book is um, examples, like things that happen. So like chores and church. And I mean, honestly, on page 139, it says church when kids don't want to go. Divorce and visitation, fighting, friends, getting ready for school. So it gives examples of... um, how to implement this program. So in the short term, kids rarely thank us for doing parenting skills. I don't know if any of you implemented some of the whole brain learning um, in this past week, but probably some of your kids were like, just stop, right? Our kids never applaud us for parenting skills or for expectations or for limits yet they crave it. So don't let their um, words and sometimes their anger stop you from doing what we need to do. And that is love them and then give them logical consequences is what we're talking about today. So, So to help stop arguing, these are the steps that I want you to do this week. So if your kids are saying, I'm not going to do this, or I won't do this, or you're mean, or you can't make me, instead of saying, blah, 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 I'm the parent, I can do it, right? Step one is just go brain dead. I know that sounds counterintuitive, 
But when we parent, or frankly, when we do anything in life that is from a guttural emotion, either like frustrated or the happiest you've ever been, that next step isn't always the most logical step that you would make because you're, you're doing it from a guttural emotional reaction. Okay. So the step one is just taking a deep breath and what I call in the book calls going brain dead. Step two is calmly repeat a one-liner. So these one-liners in one, love and logic are cues for you as a parent to breathe. And they're cues for your children that you aren't going to step into the ring. You are not going to participate in this fight. So here are some examples. I love you too much to argue. Um, Mom, you're so mean. I know, but I love you too much to argue. Dad, why won't you let me do this? Everybody else is doing it. I know. I know. You can say, what did you say? And they keep reporting it. Or thanks for sharing. That one I want to warn you. Um, sarcasm in love and logic doesn't work out well. Okay? Um, I love you wherever you live. So, for example, the kids that are going to move out because you're so mean, instead of saying, don't leave my house or get out, you say, that's fine. I'll love you wherever you live. Um, I argue between at 6 a.m. on Saturday, right? Um, I personally would, I typically say, I love you too much to argue. Or um, when they were younger, I'd go, uh-oh, uh-oh. And now that they're older, I always say, which is a bit sarcastic, so be careful, is I'm sorry your life is so difficult um, because we live a life of privilege and it's important for them to understand. So why are these skills important? Well, when we fall into getting frustrated, giving lectures and trying to match one-on-one -on -one with our kids, we're forgetting, um, we're teaching them a sad lesson that arguing with parents is a good way to get their attention, okay? An even worse lesson is learned when they discover that they can argue us into submission, right? So if I work hard enough and my parents will um, focus on this argument so much that my parents will eventually give in, all I have to do is keep it up, right? That is not what we want to teach our kids. So what can we do? So the first thing to do is memorize your favorite one-liner, okay? Here they are again. Here's some of them. I love you too much to argue. I know. What did, what did I say? Um, thanks for sharing. Again, be careful with that one. It can be viewed as a little too sarcastic. The little ones um, just... A simple, uh-oh, is something. Um, I love you wherever you live. I argue at 6 a.m. on Saturday. With my older ones, I always, you know, try to say, I mean, I usually typically say, I'm sorry, your life is so difficult. Um, so memorize your favorite one-liner. Put it everywhere. Put a sticky note on your mirror. Write it in a vis-a-vis -vis marker on windows and mirrors. And just know that when your kids go up to push your buttons, your immediate reaction is to breathe, go brain dead, right? Not respond and say, I love you too much to argue. So 
let's keep going. One of the reasons for this is that relationships are built on love and trust, okay? And if we show our kids that we trust them to make decisions, it only helps our relationships, right? The closer we feel to somebody, the more devastated we are when we, when we do something that they approve of, like, right? Like, I think we all can say that when growing up, when my mom would say, I'm disappointed in you, it was worse than her yelling at me because I can tune out the yelling, like bring it, right? Especially as a teenager. For her to be quiet and say, I'm really disappointed in you. We're going to talk through your actions later. That would bring me pause, okay? A loving relationship gives consequences their power. That being said, um, we've got to breathe and recognize the joy that our kids bring in our lives. I don't know about you, but I'm at a point of COVID where I don't always see joy um, in my household. But making every hello and goodbye a special event, I think, like, for me, I'm working from home. Um, recognizing that seeing them is a big deal, that they were a part of my life. And when they walk in the room, I'm happy to see them, right? So at least once a day, notice something special about them. Remove the sarcasm, right? Because if you say, oh, your hair looks cute, but they think you're saying, oh, you need a haircut like we all do, right? Um, love them even when they're behaving non-lovable and neutralize arguing. And kids who view their parents as both powerful and loving are far more likely to grow into respectful and responsible adults. And we'll get into a little bit more of that. So what I want you to know in here is it takes a lot of love to set limits and allow our kids to experience consequences of their poor decisions. But... <laughs> If we let them experience consequences consequences um, of their decisions at a young age, those consequences are much smaller. For example, um, taking your phone upstairs past curfew. Consequence, you lose your phone, okay? Um, um, forgetting your folder at school, which isn't a great example right now, or not turning in your online assignments, right? Consequence, bad grade maybe limited um, screen time or a chore or something like that. Simple consequences that don't react poorly. Think about if you have not experienced consequences and now you're an adult or even like a 16 year old and you're driving a car and you don't think rules matter to you and you get in a horrible wreck or you cause a horrible wreck, right? Great consequences. Um, you get your first job and you decide to show up whenever you want to, consequence, losing your job, right? So if we can have our kids help and help them understand that every choice I make has consequences and life is better when I make good choices, okay? All right, again, that was a super, super high-level overview of parenting with love and logic. I gave you the first like five minutes of the love and logic parent. So 
tips and tricks for this week. If you want to, first of all, we're going to have to dive into this more because it is um, a pretty in-depth parenting way. Um, it is one of my favorite ones, though. If your kids are pressing your buttons, which I think right now everybody is at a shorter leash and um, has less patience, to breathe through it, right? And to say, go brain dead and give a one-liner and give yourself time to react in a way that is helpful, not hurtful, okay? I think sometimes as parents, we feel like we have to respond like quickly. We don't, right? You can say right now, I'm disappointed in your behavior and we're going to talk about it in 20 minutes or we're going to talk about it after dinner. Here's the key to that. You have to move on. You can't at dinner keep staring at your kid like they're the bane of your existence, right? You just move on. You love them through their mistakes and then that gives you time to calm down and help create a logical consequence. And that's in the back of this book. It has tons of logical consequences. So what I thought would be a good resource from our Sticky Faith book tonight was um, their chapter three, and it's talking about handling mistakes, okay? Especially as Christians, when we talk about faith, sometimes I feel like we can't, we don't give ourselves permission to make mistakes in our faith. Um, but um, she talks about in this book, um, the G's of making mistakes and how to overcome them as a family, okay? So good. We are created in God's image and God was pleased with us. We are created to be good, okay? Guilt. Our sin, our guilt has separated from us from God. Grace. God couldn't stand that separation. So God sent Jesus so we might have real life in the present and eternal life with God. God's people. We live in community, experiencing and advancing the kingdom with our brothers and sisters and gratitude. We serve and obey and practice um, not to make God like us more or love us more, but because we're grateful for all that God has done with us. What this was talking about is some, sometimes Christians can have a toxic view of faith. For example, that we believe that once we become a Christian, that everything becomes simpler or easier. Or, and that, that's, not, that's not the truth, right? And especially our young people need to know that God is bigger than our mistakes. That God... <laughs> loves us through our mistakes. And so if we look through these G's, the good, the guilt, the grace, God's people, and the gratitude, we can recognize that God's grace is bigger than anything that we could ever imagine. So again, the five G's of the gospel is something that when our kids make a mistake, because they will, or... When we make a mistake as a parent, because we'll do that too, um, that it is time where we can breathe 
and move on and recognize it and um, learn from it and be better because of it, but move on. Um, in this chapter, it talks about a kid named Rebecca, who when she went to college, um, she she was a, grew up very Christian, went to church every Sunday, and then she went to college and kind of went a little crazy. And when she went to parties and stuff, she she kind of called it her Jesus jacket. Like she would disconnect herself from her faith and party it up and then get up the next morning and go to church and put her Jesus jacket back on. And what's important for all of us to understand, and that can be for little kids, right? Like tantrum tantrums and that you're not, then you can think in your head, like I'm not good enough to come to church or I don't deserve Jesus's love. All of that, we can throw out the window as parents because we know that God's grace is bigger than any mistake. Um, this chapter and these five G's of the gospel is something that I think can really help us, even ourselves as parents, especially um, connect with our own mistakes and breathe through them and let us move on. Okay, so now what I'm going to do is switch to another screen and um, start answering all your Q&As from this, and we'll have about five to ten minutes of the Q&As. Thanks so much. I'll see you in a second. Okay, so right now I don't see any questions, so um, I want to, uh, I will, I don't know what happened in the sound at the beginning, but Essentially, I went over that this um, Love and Logic is an, it's when I teach this class, it's a six week class. So I gave you one tip and trick from this book about going brain dead, using a one liner and giving yourself time. Um, I'm hoping when we get back um, and we can have some contact, I can do another Parenting with Love and Logic class where I can present this material to y'all in a more systematic um, and succinct way. Um, I love this book, though, and I, I'm not sure if we talked about it when you could hear me or not, but the first eight, yep, first eight chapters are information that you read and learn about. Then part two of the book is 48 different examples of how to implement this um, during your life. So like, I mean, it's picking up belongings, taking care of your pets, uh, tantrum tantrums, toilet training, fears of monsters, divorce and visitation, how to deal with grandparents, homework. So it has examples of that. Um, how would you use the G's with your child? So really, I think the four G's, Jessica, is less of how to use them and more of a reminder for us to incorporate our faith into our language. Okay. So if we go back to those G's, um, like if if a kid throws a tantrum tantrum and they think then like we don't love them anymore. Right. Because especially younger children, I'd say six and younger, that that six can be a interesting um, 
you know, about six and younger, they're so black and white and concrete that they do something bad, then they believe they are bad. Right. And so this faith component is reminding us and our children that God created us in God's own image and we are children of God. And because of that, we are good. We might make bad choices, but in ourselves, we are good. Does that help you? Um, I mean, grace, I think we all just need grace in our lives. We need to be able to give our kids grace. We need to give ourselves grace. Um, And then we experience grace. The other thing that I'm seeing like with some of my teenagers is like simple, like, I mean, we all do it. Let's be real judgment. Like, oh, they say they go to church, but I saw them do this. Or they say they do this, but I saw them do this. I think we do it as adults too. We just don't talk about it as much. But giving grace to others. I saw a mom um, when I went for a walk and her kids were playing on the playground next to the sign that says, the playgrounds close. And like my first gut reaction was girl, you're not supposed to be on the playground, but I chose to take a minute and give her grace. I don't know what kind of day she had. Like she might've just needed to put her kids on the playground for a little bit. So I think um, that's the kind of stuff that this sticky faith, same with the love and logic book. It has, um, It's 13 chapters and each one does a little bit about how to incorporate faith into your life. Like I'm honestly going to write those five G's of the gospel up on my fridge, both for my kids to remember and for me to remember, because lately there's been a lot of grace that has needed to happen in our house, both from parenting and from children's perspectives. Um, But see, and then in that G's, right, you have grace, then God's people, and then gratitude. And so if we can live out all those things, it can transform um, our day-to-day lives. So I'm going to try to go back and see um, what we missed. I think my computer was muted for some reason. I thought I unmuted it. I could hear it, but, you know, whatever. Y'all are not here for the... um, value of my production skills. So are there any other questions for tonight? I try to keep this 30 to 45 minutes. So we're at the 30-ish minute mark. Okay. I would love for y'all to share this with your friends. Um, I think they're simple, simple things. Each week, I'm just going to give you one little tidbit, tidbit of something you can do to just help you as a parent. Um, Next week, here, y'all can help me decide. I think we're gonna be looking at The Secret of Happy Families um, by Bruce Feeler, or this is, I think, how we're gonna end, Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. This is gonna be our um, slam dunk last class. So next week, we're going to look at the secrets of happy families. It's got lots of different tips and tricks um, to talk about. Um, I got to figure out which one tip and trick I'm going to, you know, look at. But this book goes from um, adapt. It talks about adapt, talks about type.
Thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate all that you do to help lift connect with others. Make sure and go like our Facebook page where we give information about our guests, upload our podcast each week. And I just want to say, remember, if you need anything or any of these podcasts, bring deeper questions. You can always reach out to me at St. Andrew. Look forward to connecting with you on our next episode.